trusted voice of truth and light. God gave me a gift. I shovel well. I shovel very well. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. We've got a blind date with destiny. And it looks like she's ordered the lobster. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Well, hello there and welcome to the show. This is a program specifically for people who are trying to wade through the swamp, find their way out of the swamp of misinformation, and get to higher ground or at least something firm under your feet that you can actually stand on and believe in. Now, here's the kicker. I can't tell you what to think. I wouldn't want to tell you what to think. But I am going to encourage you with everything I've got to please think as clearly and independently as you can about what's going on around us. Got some great sponsors who help me on this mission every single day. Like to throw some recognition their way. They include Garage Door Pros. You can check them out at garagedoorproservices.com, lifesavingfood.com, monticellocollege.org, and hslammo.com. So how serious is this, this misinformation, this swamp of misinformation that I'm referring to? Well, um, just as a, for instance, you know, uh, yesterday, of course, uh, information came out showing that, yes, in fact, we are well into another quarter, uh, or at least we've had at least two consecutive quarters of economic decline. Now, traditionally, that has signaled a recession. And people who are struggling financially, which would be the vast majority of people right now, uh, you don't really need, you know, some official pronouncement. It's not like the truth is going to be handed down to you from on high from some official. But isn't it interesting that there was uh, there was legit dozens of changes made on uh, Wikipedia's page about recession, the definition of recession? It's like a little man with a big eraser changing history. Just incredible. On the fly, you've got an administration and, of course, media enablers and social media enablers literally trying to move the goalposts right in front of us the whole time insisting we're not moving the goalposts. This is just, this is exactly what it's always been. It's infuriating. It's one of the reasons why I don't watch legacy media or read much legacy media. I do, you know, I do look from time to time to see, well, what are they saying about this issue or that issue? But as far as if I'm looking for something I can hang my hat on or something that will actually inform my worldview, that's the last place I'm going to go. You've got some very highly paid, very skilled spinmeisters. Oh, yes, they're beautiful. They're blow-dried. I mean, they, <laughs> they're good at what they do. But what they do is not giving you truth or giving you even facts from which you can discern what the truth is. And that matters. It's, it's especially when it, when it comes to things like, you know, recession. Oh, well, you know, yes, there's uh, some news that uh, we would categorize as uh, not entirely positive. And, you know, they just spin it and spin it. I guess what I'm saying in, in a pretty long way is be careful who you trust. In fact, learn to think to where you can trust yourself to discern between what is real and what isn't. I think some of the best advice I've actually seen in the last uh, 24 hours was uh, from uh, a Twitter user named Tom Elliott. Tom is great at compiling uh, supercuts of uh, you know official hypocrisy. Learned a lot from, from his account. But uh, yesterday he was saying, here's my advice. He says, punch out of the official economy as much as possible. 
and preserve your wealth in non-dollar assets. Why? Well, because your paycheck is losing 25% annually. That's what inflation is doing to it. And in fact, he comes right out and says, hoard, that's his word, hoard as many non-perishables and frozen goods as you can manage, raise food, move to a farm, arm yourself. Oh, I know to some people that's pretty extreme, but I mean, is it possible? I'm just, I'm just throwing the question out here. I'm not saying this is the fact. This is the only way to see it. Is it possible that you and I right now are witnessing the attempted overthrow of Western civilization? I mean, if somebody wants to, you know, give me the arguments as to why that couldn't possibly be so, I'm willing to listen. But there's a lot of evidence starting to stack up that really makes it look as if that's exactly what we're witnessing. How do you how do you make sense of something like this? Well, I'm going to start off. I know I'm I'm kind of hitting on some pretty heavy stuff here right off the bat. So you know if you're Oh, where's my Prozac? <laughs> I got I to gotta take something here to, to uh, see what's going on here. <clears throat> Let me start with, uh, I want to I take on a, a topic about uh, putting first things first before politics. I think that uh, this is really important because um, it's easy to think that politics is, is unfortunately everything in life. And I've got an article here, and for some reason I'm having trouble getting this one to pull up. It's, uh, it's from Jonathan Barnes, writing for intellectualtakeout.org. But when he talks about putting first things first, he's not getting all you know technical and, and, and trying to, to make things complicated. He's talking about focus on the things that really matter the most. And that would be like, what are the things that you come home to every day? That could be family. That could be your pets. It could be, you know, your neighbors. I'm thinking more of an internal kind of uh, things that, that come first. Where is your faith? What do you believe in? Because I understand not everybody believes in God. But for those who do believe, what are you doing right now today to fortify yourself? To spiritually gain strength or at least gain insight into why are things unfolding the way that they are? What can I do in the grand scheme of things that would be pleasing to my creator or or would actually invite the help of my creator? I know it sounds far-fetched to anybody who hasn't experienced it. And I don't know I don't know a nice way to say this without sounding radical, so I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there and you're free to do with it what you will. But would it surprise you to know that your creator actually cares about you? Like knows your name, knows your heart. And this is the part that I think will blow some people's minds. Your creator actually wants you to be free, wants you to be happy. Now, the disconnect that some people have is, well, if he wants me to be free, then I guess I can do whatever I darn well please, and nobody can say anything about it. Well, if only it were that easy. But real freedom, authentic freedom, in fact, I'm going to call it liberty, is not just, it's not to be confused with being libertine, which is, you know, basically, hey, life is all about pleasure. And I'm going to just seek pleasure because that is the highest measure of of what a life well lived is about whether it's through eating, whether it's through sex, whether it's through other sensory things, you know, drugs, alcohol, whatever, entertainment, you know, even just 
acquiring things, you know. There are a lot of people who feed that uh, that appetite. That's not that's not freedom, or at least that's not the essence of freedom. And I really like the distinction between freedom and liberty, which freedom, yeah, that's the ability to make your choices and, and to choose for yourself without some kind of outside force or coercion. I think most of us can agree. That's a preferable way of doing things as opposed to a thumb right on top of our heads and someone dictating you're going to do this, but you're not going to do that. Liberty takes a little bit of principle to understand, though. Because liberty is not just a matter of, hey, you're free to do anything you want. Liberty is the ability to make those choices, to really freely, voluntarily choose for yourself to do the things that you ought to be doing, to do the things that actually improve you and make you a better human being. Or for that matter, if you believe in, you know, the metaphysical, to make you a better being, period, both spiritual and, you know, human. Sorry if this is getting a little bit abstract, but I just feel like the stakes are so high right now. And I know there's a lot of confusion out there. There's a lot of anxiety. Not a small amount of anger. You may have noticed people burning their cities down in mostly peaceful protests, etc. You know, and trying to affect some kind of change. We are living through a fourth turning. And if you're not familiar with the book, The Fourth Turning by historians Strauss and Howe, it's worth your time. In fact, if you go to, uh, I believe, fourthturning.com, they have a really good primer right there that will give you the basics of what this kind of historical cycle looks like. I like to liken it to the seasons of the year. You know, springtime is full of promise. There's always something exciting. And, and you just, you know, good things are happening. The air smells sweeter. The birds are singing. Things are greening up. Summer is when life is great. Things are pretty comfy, but you also get the impression that it's not going to last forever, and it doesn't. With fall comes the unraveling. You start to, to see a bit of a descent from that high that you were enjoying in the summer. And then comes winter. And with winter, there always is some form of crisis as part of that, that fourth-turning methodology. You can probably guess which season we're right smack in the middle of. And the crisis that uh, typifies such a season includes things like civic decay, economic upheaval, and often war. We've been through fourth turnings a number of times, at least in America's history. This happened for other societies as well. But here's the kicker. The outcome is never written in stone. In fact, it really depends upon the character of the people who are living through that turning at that time. What kind of person are we going to be? This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. A shout-out here to Garage Door Pros, serving St. George, Utah, Cedar City, Utah, Mesquite, Nevada, and Colorado City, Arizona. I have had the privilege of uh, speaking with Seth, who is the owner of the company, at some length. And first of all, I'm convinced. This guy's legit. He is running a great company. They love to take care of their customers. If you read the reviews on their website at garagedoorproservices.com, you will see that uh, there's, there is something that makes them different. And, and part of it is that attention to detail and attention to customer service. 
But the long and short is this is a local company for southwestern Utah and the surrounding area. They install, they service, they repair garage doors, be it residential or commercial. By the way, if you're looking for an insulated garage door, these are the ones you want to talk to. Quick response, much faster lead than other companies can give you. You can call them at 435-525-2773. Or you can go to garagedoorproservices.com. All right, let's jump into a topic of interest here. I think one of the most alarming things that I've been watching take place is the speed with which science has become co-joined with government. We saw this a lot through the pandemic. And I've got a great essay here from Barry Brownstein. State power doesn't settle science. Listen to how he describes this. He says, in his book, Sway, Ori Braffman tells a story of sitting in an MBA class taught by Professor Roberto Fernandez. Fernandez showed the class a film of a 1950s open-heart surgery to make a point about how people ignore information. The film showed the surgeon pouring a white powder over the patient's heart. Now, the powder was asbestos. Unsurprisingly, the patients administered the asbestos started dying off, but the hospital continued with its surgical protocol. Now, in the 1950s, vested interests resisted the bad news about asbestos. Yet no one had the power to stop discovery by proclaiming, well, the science is settled. No one claimed airing opposing views would kill people, so scientific discovery continued, and relatively safe open-heart surgery developed in a reasonably short time. Importantly, for people wanting an alternative to surgery, doctors such as Dean Ornish and Caldwell Esselstyn, Esselstyn rather, were free to develop radical dietary protocols as effective lifestyle alternatives. Now, Barry Brownstein says, imagine an alternative history of medical science in which those who openly opposed the use of asbestos were subjected to penalties. Medical research would have been misdirected and hindered. Progress would have been difficult. Hospitals might still be poisoning their patients. Well, he says, today, California is on the verge of enshrining bad medicine and blocking scientific progress. The California Assembly has passed AB 2098, which would designate the dissemination or promotion of misinformation or disinformation by physicians and surgeons related to the SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus or COVID-19 as unprofessional conduct, subjecting doctors to disciplinary action, including the loss of license. The bill defines misinformation as false information that is contradicted by contemporary scientific consensus. Now, Barry Brownstein points out that bill doesn't explain how contemporary scientific consensus will be achieved. The bill does point to the determination by the FDA and CDC of the safety and efficacy of the COVID-19 vaccines. So currently, the FDA is ignoring doctors who oppose COVID vaccines for children. The U.S. Health and Human Services uh, Department, HHS, claims if your child is six months or older, you can now help protect them from severe COVID illness by getting them a COVID vaccine. Dr. Vinay Prasad, famous for his work in evidence-based medicine, says in response, just a lie. There are no randomized data nor even a single observational study that has shown a reduction in severe disease in this age group, six months to four years old. Many are unaware of the mounting criticism of the FDA for its unscientific approval of the COVID vaccine for children. And the claim that a state proclaims consensus settles science has resulted in many losing their jobs. In 2021, Dr. Aaron Cariardi was fired from the University of California, Irvine, Cariotti was a professor at their School of Medicine and the director of their medical ethics program. 
he was fired for being unvaccinated and for believing natural immunity was superior to the COVID vaccine. Dr. Cariotti delivered his testimony against the California bill that would ban the expression of opposing opinions. He said, quote, advances in science and medicine typically occur when doctors and scientists challenge conventional thinking or settled opinion. Fixating any current medical consensus, consensus rather as unassailable by physicians will stifle medical and scientific progress, end quote. So Cariotti explaining explained rather how repressing alternative views creates a false consensus driven by politics and crony interests. Government cures drive out real cures. By the way, Dr. Cariotti explained, good science is characterized by conjecture and refutation, lively deliberation, often fierce debate, and always openness to new data. This is why, for example, surgeons no longer use asbestos during open-heart surgery. Now, Barry Brownstein says when bad medicine isn't backed by state power, its destructive force is limited. The worst scientists in the world can advance their ideas and yet cause little harm if others are free to reject those ideas and experiment with other pathways. As Cariotti and others, such as Karl Popper, pointed out, errors are corrected by conjecture and refutation. Human beings can be vicious in defending their position, and when the vicious and incompetent deploy the power of government, errors are compounded with deadly consequences. And history is clear about the terrible consequences when state power decides science. Millions of lives have been lost. Sam Keane reports on deadly science under Stalin. The science of genetics was dismissed as contrary to Marxist doctrine, while Stalin preferred the theories of Trofim Lysenko. Trofim Lysenko was a Soviet-era biologist, a crackpot, and one of the biggest mass murderers in history. Lysenko promoted the Marxist idea that environment alone shapes plants and animals, put them in the proper setting, and expose them to the right stimuli, he declared, and you can make them to an almost infinite, you can remake them, rather, to an almost infinite degree. So Lysenko was sure he could grow orange trees in Siberia. Now, Keane describes Lysenko's method. Lysenko began to educate Soviet crops to sprout at different times of year by soaking them in freezing water, among other practices. He then claimed that future generations of crop would remember these environmental cues and, even without being treated themselves, would inherit the beneficial traits. Sound insane? Alexander Solzhenitsyn in the Gulag Archipelago, Volume, volume 1, gives an example of Lysenko at work. Quote, In 1934, Skov agronomists sowed flax on the snow exactly as Lysenko had ordered. The seeds swelled up, grew moldy, and died. The big, fail, the big fields rather lay empty for a year. Now, Lysenko could not say that the snow was a kulak or that he himself was an ass. He accused the agronomist of being kulaks and of distorting his technology, and the agronomist went off to Siberia. End quote. Now, see, if Lysenko had been born in America, Barry Brownstein says, few people would have even heard his insane theories. But Lysenko had the power of Stalin behind him. Stalin was looking to an answer to famines caused by his collectivization policies. I'm going to jump ahead here, but I'm going to encourage you to read this essay for yourself. Barry Brownstein always has a, a fantastic take on things here. And the bottom line is, I'm going to jump into another quote here from Solzhenitsyn. Solzhenitsyn observed, Every man always has handy a dozen glib little reasons why he's right not to sacrifice himself. Isn't that something? 
you got to be able to, to stand. It takes courage to do what Dr. Cariotti did, uh, what Drs. Prasad uh, and others have expressed in concerns about the official settled science and the scientific consensus. Look, there may be truth, but that truth has got to be subjected to tension and questioning and pulling back and forth and sometimes argumentation and disagreement. All censorship does is try to fit a one-size-fits-all approach on everybody, and it's, it's just another ugly form of collectivization. So if you want to see for yourself what things are, you got to be able to seek out numerous voices, numerous perspectives, and then see if they hold up. That's as true with your health as it is with anything else. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. Hey, have you signed up for my show notes yet? Look, it's not a big deal, but if you would like a copy of my show notes, I always have links to wonderful articles like the one I was just sharing from Barry Brownstein. And you would do well to uh, check out the sources of these articles. Maybe subscribe if they have a Substack or an, uh, otherwise a, a website of their own. You can find a lot of great information there. Lots of great links to follow. This is, again, for people who are, are serious about finding things out, sussing things out for themselves. And not so much for the people who just, well, I just want somebody to tell me what I'm supposed to think. I'm guessing people who are more comfortable with that approach would not be comfortable with this program. But if you're one of those people who likes to seek out truth, even if it can be a bit uncomfortable, go to my go to my website, thebrianheidshow.com. Click on the show notes down at the bottom of the page. There's a subscribe button. It's going to ask for your email. I will not share it with anybody. I won't sell it to anybody, but I will give you a copy of my show notes every single day that I do this program. All right, let's jump into another topic here. I don't know if uh, you have the same kind of uh, distrust for official sources that I have, but it should be getting pretty obvious now that government agencies have a tendency to spin statistics and to pad the numbers when it suits their political advantage. I think we saw this a great deal with uh, how, uh, for instance, the CDC reported on, on COVID, you know, to where we conflate tests and positive tests with cases. And somehow people think, oh my gosh, this means so many people are, are so sick. When in fact, while somebody may have tested positive, they may not even be showing symptoms. But this one, this story I'm about to share with you, this one's a little more concerning in that uh, whistleblowers have stepped forward to report that FBI officials are now pressuring their agents to artificially pad domestic violence extremist data. Why does that matter? Well, I'll tell you, if you're a person who's freedom-minded, you are being targeted as a domestic violence extremist. So it's something you probably should pay attention to. Deborah Heine, writing for AmericanGreatness.com, says FBI whistleblowers have disclosed to Republicans on the House Judiciary Committee that FBI officials have been pressuring agents to artificially pad domestic violence extremist or DVE data. They've even dispensed awards and promotions to those who met the Bureau's DVE investigation quotas. And you want to talk about some bad incentives. In a letter to FBI Director Christopher Wray, Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan, 
ranking Republican on the committee, said from recent protected disclosures, we have learned that FBI officials are pressuring agents to reclassify cases as domestic violent extremism, even if the cases do not meet the criteria for such a classification. Given the narrative pushed by the Biden administration that domestic violent extremism is the greatest threat facing our country, revelation that the FBI may be artificially padding domestic terrorism data is scandalous. End quote. Now, the whistleblowers also allege, according to Jordan, that the Biden FBI has been conducting a purge of FBI employees who hold conservative views. So just for the record, the FBI defines a domestic violent extremist or DVE as an individual based and operating primarily within the United States or its territories without direction or inspiration from a foreign terrorist group or other foreign power who seeks to further political or social goals wholly or in part through unlawful acts of force or violence. Now, the Bureau under Biden has made investigating domestic terrorism a top priority, doubling the number of DVE investigations by June of 2021. In fact, since Biden took office, his administration has taken aggressive steps to punish his political enemies, whether they be Trump supporters who protested at the Capitol on January 6th or parents protesting mask mandates, critical race theory or LGBTQ curricula at school boards. In official internal documents, Biden's Department of Homeland Security classifies those who dispute official regime narratives on the origins and effects of COVID-19 vaccines, the efficacy of masks, the validity of the 2020 election, classifying them as purveyors of dangerous, mis-, dis-, or malinformation. That's MDM. Maybe you remember the Department of Homeland Security set up a disinformation governance board disinformation governance board earlier this year to deal with these extreme Americans, although the effort was reportedly paused after massive pushback from Republicans. Well, according to Jordan's letter, the whistleblower said that because there aren't enough legitimate domestic terrorism cases, FBI agents have been bolstering the number of cases of DVEs to satisfy their superiors. Here's a quote from that report. One whistleblower said agents are encouraged and incentivized to reclassify cases as DVE cases, even though there is minimal circumstantial evidence to support the reclassification. Jordan wrote in the letter, which was CC'd to Representative Gerald Nadler, current chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, and Michael Horowitz, inspector general of the Department of Justice. Another whistleblower who led at least one high-profile domestic terrorism investigation stated that a field office counterterrorism assistant special agent in charge and the FBI's Director of Counterterrorism Division have pressured agents to move cases into the DVE category to hit self-created performance metrics. According to whistleblowers, the FBI uses these metrics to dispense awards and promotions. Every whistleblower has called it an environment of pressure within the FBI. And these whistleblower allegations that the FBI is padding its domestic violent extremist data cheapens actual examples of violent extremism. This information also reinforces our concerns about which we've written to you several times regarding the FBI's politicization under your leadership. As we have detailed, multiple whistleblowers have disclosed how the Biden FBI is conducting a purge of FBI employees holding conservative views. You've ignored these concerns. It appears instead the FBI is more focused on classifying investigations to meet a woke left-wing agenda. I mean, that's pretty harsh. 
Now, Representative Jordan requested that Ray provide the following documents and information. All documents and communications referring to or relating to e-guardians, preliminary investigations, and full investigations classified as classified rather as domestic violent extremism, including by type of case, for the period of January 1, 2020 to the present. All documents and communications between or among employees of the Federal Bureaus of Investigation, the Department of Justice, and the Executive Office of the President referring to or relating to classifying or reclassifying domestic violent extremism cases for the period of January 1st, 2020 to the present. The total number of preliminary investigations and full investigations of domestic violent extremism, including by type of case for that same period of time, And finally, the total number of confidential human sources that contributed to any reports of domestic violent extremism cases for that same period of time. I'm grateful to see somebody's pushing back. And I would just remind you that, you know, while this is going on, while this this intense effort is being ramped up to look at Americans who aren't with the program, who would question things like, you know, teaching your children to be social justice warriors or otherwise indoctrinating them on woke ideology... Or if you question the 2020 election and whether it was really a legit one or whether there was some uh, monkey business taking place. Or whether you believe that uh, COVID-19 was simply being used as an excuse to expand government power at every level. I mean, come on, if this is enough to land you on the FBI's radar. I guess it would make sense if these were just simply politicized issues and, you know, the, the threat is we can't have people opposing what we do. But does that sound like a free country? Does that not sound more like Stalinist Russia? Or for that matter, like, like uh, the FBI is becoming an American Gestapo? It seems to me that this is all about silencing dissent or at least intimidating people who would be likely to dissent, not violently, but just simply to speak out and say, I can't be on board with this. And to intimidate them into silence. After all, who wants to be thought of as being on some kind of terror watch list? That's a pretty spooky place to be. But I think it shows the the depth of corruption that we find right now in, in what were supposed to be some of the most trusted institutions in our federal government. What do you do about it? Well, first and foremost, I would say get informed, ask questions, even inconvenient, uncomfortable questions. Be willing to ask them. Be willing to go where the truth is leading you. Maybe it'll pan out. Maybe it won't. I'm not going to try and you know steer you to a preordained conclusion. But I will say this. If you come to the conclusion, and I'm, I'm at this point right now. If you come to the conclusion that, wow, these guys really are corrupt. And they're doing this not for the sake of, well, we're just trying to see that justice prevails here. But rather, we're trying to bring any form of political dissent or opposition either to heal or to be confined. That's a pretty scary thought. And I don't think I want to give my consent to any government agency or entity that's operating under those principles. That's not looking out for my interests. It's not that's not an agency or a government, uh, you know, institution that is trying to protect my God given rights and to maintain my freedom, which is the reason that that government was called into existence in the first place. Sounds to me like it's more like a self-serving cabal of jackals interested in just uh, gaining and maintaining as much power as they can possibly grab. 
Yeah, I'm not going to play along with that. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. Two great sponsors that I really would love to encourage you to check out. For different reasons, of course, HSLAmmo.com is one of them. You can probably figure out what it is that they sell. Also, LifesavingFood.com. Another one that's pretty easy to figure out. I would like you to check these out. There's a link in my show notes that'll take you right to each one of these wonderful sponsors. If they have something that you think, you know, actually it would be good to have some of this or some of that, I would invite you, please do business with them. Support them. Let them know that their message reached your ears via this program. All right, let's take a little little soiree, a little uh, sojourn rather, into how do you push back against such intense, concentrated media bias and spin? I like to think I'm doing a little bit each day, even though this is just, you know, in the grand scheme of things, this this show is a tiny drop in a majorly large ocean of uh, information and voices out there trying to get ideas across to the masses. In fact, uh, at the risk of sounding a bit self-serving here, I really don't believe I'm speaking to the masses, not because I'm so good for them. I just, I just understand that what the masses want versus what I'm trying to deliver are two very different things. The masses want to hear things that are affirming, affirming that, hey, everything's cool. You're great. You know, nothing's wrong. Here, have a check. This one's got your name on it. You know, that's, that's what the masses want. Instant, short-term gratification without any kind of heavy lifting or heavy thinking involved. That's not who I'm speaking to. That's not my target audience. I'm speaking to what I guess could be more accurately described as the remnant. And that is that, uh, that group of people, however big, however small, it could, it could be you know single digits, it could be a few dozen people, it could be a few hundred, to whom truth matters more than comfort. People who believe that, look, I can make sense of this world. In fact, I can get by in this world if I just have a better understanding of what's going on and and a better connection to reality. So they're not looking for attaboys. They're looking for the truth. Not because they need to be told what to think, but just simply they need to understand that there are people out there who still value the truth as they do. And that gives them the encouragement to keep on through the long grind of of watching our civilization being dismantled brick by brick by people who don't care about such things. And I also believe that uh, these are the people who, when uh, the masses have run this whole thing into the ground, it's this remnant that is going to be the ones who will build whatever it is that comes next. And they'll be able to do this. They'll be in a position to do so, not because they're just so morally superior to everybody, but because they understand the importance of truth. They understand the principles and the practices upon which the best things in life are founded. And they're willing to live up to those principles and live up to the truths that they have, even when it's uncomfortable or inconvenient. Sorry, does that feel like I'm patting you on the back? Am I stroking your ego and making you feel good? Um, You know, truth seekers really don't need that. That's not the kind of affirmation they're looking for. More than anything, they just want to know. Someone is still speaking the truth. The truth still matters. And we may not ever cross paths, 
but at least they know they are not alone. That gives them the courage to hang on and to continue doing the right thing, to raise their kids, to be good, productive, honest people in a world that's doing everything it can to try to lead them astray. I want to talk for a moment about uh, an essay by Brandon Smith. I really like Brandon's take on, on just about everything I've read. There's very few places where I've disagreed with him. But his latest essay is particularly timely. He says, to take back our culture, we need to build our own media army. Now, he says, I've been writing about the concept of decentralization since around 2006. That's well before the threat of the woke takeover and the culture war became obvious. And he says, the idea is a rather simple one. Most ideas that work are simple. So here it is. Brandon Smith says, if the corrupt system does not or will not provide what the public needs or wants, then the public should provide those necessities for themselves. If they're successful, then the system has two choices. It can fade away quietly as the decentralized economy takes over, or it can try to stop the public from building their own production using force. If the system uses force, then it exposes its true nature as authoritarian and it encourages rebellion. But one way or another, the corrupt system will be eliminated. Now, his point is we've seen this with the alternative media over the past decade. He says, when I started my first website, Neither Corp, 16 years ago, there were very few of us out there presenting the truth to the public and the mainstream media was still very much in control of the narrative. But he says, today there's an endless array of alternative news websites and YouTube channels and the mainstream media is utterly dying, except for maybe Fox News. Their audience numbers are crumbling while our audience numbers are rising. He says, we're winning the news war because we offer something they don't. And that is the facts. Now, Brandon Smith says the alternative media has proven Decentralization can and does work, but he says there are many other areas of our culture which have not been decentralized in the slightest. Most popular media is still well under the control of people that espouse extreme cultural Marxism and globalism. Woke ideologies, a communist-like movement, and such movements spend a lot of time and energy seeking to disrupt the foundational culture of a nation. They do this because once the old culture is in ruins, then they can introduce their own aberrant and tyrannical culture in its place. So they're culture killers. And they do this deliberately because it's a methodology for gaining power. He says proponents of woke ideology will claim, well, they have nothing to do with Marxism or communism, while they openly admit that they're trained Marxists. They'll claim that Marxism and communism are purely economic movements, but he says that's a lie. All communism is predicated on the cultural destruction. That's a historic fact. We can see parallel similarities between the social justice movements of today and movements like the Cultural Revolution in Mao's China from 1966 to 1976. Any heritage, media, or religion that competes with the communist model is targeted for erasure. That's exactly what's happening right now in America. Now, in terms of Western entertainment, the methods are rather predictable. Leftists try to avoid producing their own original content if they can. Why? Well, he says because most of them are pathetic storytellers. Why? Because narcissists don't have imaginations. Instead, they take existing stories and hijack them as vehicles for their propaganda. So, for instance, and this ought to sound familiar, they'll take an established franchise that people love and then reboot it. 
The reboot uses the name and nostalgia to lure in audiences, but the story and characters have no resemblance to the, to the original mythos or lore. And audiences soon discover their beloved characters are being murdered right in front of them. And he says, I suspect this is done with a particular element of joy, as leftists take pleasure in destruction far more than creation. They'll inject as many aspects of critical theory into every product they get their hands on. This means diversity quotas in stories where it makes no sense. They claim every movie, TV show, comic, and video game must reflect our modern world, which translated means they think they get to determine what represents the modern world. And their movement uses minorities as a shield from criticism. Well, if you don't like their propaganda, you must be racist. They think they own all minorities and they rage against any black or brown person that leaves the leftist plantation. They force concepts of equity into every production. See, we already have equality of opportunity in the West, so they had to invent a new terminology that demands equality of outcome. Equity is about special treatment and protections for any group that serves leftist interest at the time. It's about forcing people to give up what they've worked so hard for, what they've earned through merit, and making them hand it over to the system for redistribution to the loyal soldiers of the system. You're supposed to subsidize your own enslavement. I mean, this may be one of the reasons why, if, if I'm hearing correctly, I haven't seen this myself, but I've heard that uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi in one of the newest iterations of his story, is now apparently a bisexual character. Really? That's, uh, that is definitely woke ideology forcing its way into our lives. So here's the bottom line. Brandon Smith says the leftists and woke corporations do not want you to be able to escape. They want your ideology, their ideology in your face 24-7 till you give up and submit. He says the existing franchises that we take for granted are gone. They're owned by people with dishonest intentions that hate American culture and want to see it debased into oblivion. And so we have to become the new sages and storytellers of our age because no one else is going to do it for us. So what he's saying is, instead of just standing there and railing against media and culture, what we need to do is take it back and do so by building a decentralized media army from the ground up. That means if you have a story to tell, if you have a talent to bring to bear, you ought to be willing to step up and use it to preserve those things that are worth preserving and tell those stories that need to be told. This is The Brian Hyde Show.